Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, an award-winning podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Jen Amos here. Two episodes in one week. Oh my gosh. Could you believe it? Just like the good old times back in season three and season four of Holding Down the Fort podcast. Anyway, I am just excited because as I mentioned in the last episode, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, we decided to release two bonus episodes for Military Appreciation Month. Special thanks to Jenny Lynn for encouraging me and reminding me about Military Appreciation Month because, you know, a little background on me as a Gold Star daughter, I have been far removed from the military life for about 20 years. And so has my husband, not 20 years, but probably half that amount. And part of why we do Holding Down the Fort is to continue to stay connected with the military community and learn about you know, what's going on today and how we as a company, at least at US Fed Wealth, can continue to serve you all. And so shout out to Jenny Lynn for reminding me of Military Appreciation Month and taking this time to release some bonus episodes while we are off season. If you listen to the last bonus episode that was on May 27th, I shared some announcements about how Jenny Lynn is currently in the process of PCSing over to the East Coast. And so you are all in for a super, super, super special treat for episode 100 coming out in early July. So stay tuned, put that on your calendar. There's no exact date, but sometime in July, (laughs) make sure you stay subscribed to this show, Holding Down the Fort. But in the meantime, in celebration of Military Appreciation Month, just as a reminder, this Month was officially designated by Congress in 1999, and it's really a month for all of us to remind each other, Americans, our civilian counterparts, and each other to celebrate this patriotic month that pays tribute to us, (laughs) to our active service members, veterans, military family members, Gold Star families, et cetera, et cetera. So let me just take a minute here to say thanks. I appreciate you all. All right. So before I get into this episode, let me talk to you about our sponsor. So as you know, our major sponsor for Holding Down the Fort is U.S. Vet Wealth. And we have come out with a new campaign. And one of the fun things about being a bonus episode is I get to try new messaging with all of you. (laughs) So uh, humor me. Let me tell you all a little bit about our new campaign called the War Chest Strategy. So Conventional wisdom about military benefits, investment advice, and long-term financial planning has you missing out on the most important time to protect and leverage your wealth. Today. Yes, today. And whether you're busy with active duty, running a business, or working in corporate America, the War Chest Strategy equips career military families, veteran business owners, and veterans nearing retirement with the financial mobility and control you desire to live a purpose-led life. And I like the word purpose-led. It's actually going to be part of our show description for season five. So another spoiler alert for you. But anyway, if you are interested in this war chest strategy that we offer at US Vet Wealth, it starts with scheduling a free, that's right, F-R-E-E free asset map and income inventory consultation. 
And when you schedule this free asset map and income inventory consultation, we just ask you to fill out our discovery form. The discovery form will ask for basics, such as a rough estimation of your existing assets, income sources, and military or veteran benefits. And once you fill out that form, our team will create a customized map suggesting the best strategy to protect and leverage your wealth. And we will provide this map with consultation free, again, F-R-E-E, free of charge and no obligation to work with us. So even if we give you the strategy, totally up to you if you want to work with us. But ultimately, you know, our goal here at US Bet Wealth is to continue to provide, you know, education and resources around financial education, especially for our military families. So if you want to learn more about the war chest strategy, go ahead and check out our website, usvetwealth.com. And when you visit our website, usvetwealth.com, you can just click on our main call to action button currently says build your war chest. And when you visit that page, it'll give you a video description, uh, breaking down what we mean by the war chest strategy and how you can benefit from it. So once again, visit usvetwealth.com. You can also check out the show notes of this episode to get the direct link to that war chest strategy page on our website. I would give you like a direct link, but it's a lot to spell out for you. So you can either check the show notes or just visit our website, usvetwealth.com. But anyway, that's our sponsor for you, US Vet Wealth. It's been such a pleasure working with my husband and my colleagues over the last handful of years, and we just keep getting better and better, and we are just getting started. All right, with that said, I am really excited to introduce you all to our bonus episode. So for this bonus episode, for the second bonus episode for Military Appreciation Month, we are excited to be talking to Matthew Stroop, which is Jenny Lynn's husband, and his former interpreter, Ahmad Shah Syed. This was such a heartfelt conversation, in my honest opinion. It was so great to hear the relationship between a now Afghan-American, as well as hearing Matthew's story and his involvement in Afghanistan almost a decade ago, I believe, from what they said in this conversation. And so what you'll be hearing a little bit about are the early stages of their working relationship, which eventually transitioned to a familial bond when Ahmad Shah came to the U.S. And Ahmad Shah reflects on the costs. And in this conversation, Ahmad Shah reflects on the costs and unique opportunity to have worked with the U.S., while Matthew reflects on sound advice from a former Marine from Vietnam to be the best example of what it means to be an American in another country. Like I said, such a heartfelt conversation. I couldn't be more pleased with it. I got emotional, especially toward the end when Jenny Lynn got emotional, spoiler alert. And also at the very, very, very end, we have a very exciting announcement from Ahmad Shah. So please hang out to the very end to hear his exciting announcement that we want to share with our audience. So yeah, there you have it. Another bonus episode for this week, two episodes in one week. And of course, as you know, when we begin the next season, we are aiming to do two to three episodes a week again. So hang on tight. But until then, I really, really, really hope you enjoy this episode. Happy Military Appreciation Month. And with that said, please enjoy today's conversation. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your co-host, Jen Amos, also Gold Star daughter and veteran spouse. And as always, I have my incredible co-host with me, Jenny Lynch Troop, active duty military spouse, mom of two boys, and mental health advocate. Jenny Lynn, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. 
Yes. And actually, this is a very special occasion because first and foremost, we have a very special person in your life on our show today. So would you like to do the honors and introduce your husband? I would. My husband, Matthew, that everyone hears lots about on the show, is actually here with us today to have a conversation with another really special person in our life. And I will let Matthew introduce him. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I don't know, I I don't know why I had to laugh. I, I, I don't <laughs> because know. Because he's being weird. That was um, No, so Matthew was we, like getting we really are here for a most auspicious occasion <laughs> to talk about Ahmad Shah Syed, my relationship with him. So we met when I was stationed in Farah in Western Afghanistan, Farah, Farah away, as we like to say on the PRT. <laughs> and he was my right-hand man there and has been in many ways here in the United States since he came and as part of the special immigrant visa program for interpreters from Iraq and Afghanistan. So I'll turn it over to him. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here as your guest. Thank you, Matthew, for your kind words. Yes, me and Matthew, we met in Farah. So I remember this one day that the new team with the new deployment came to the FOB and there was this polite man going around and trying to talk and communicate with everyone very nicely, very respectfully. And I was like, okay, I should say hi to him. So I did approach him and I asked him if he knows who is the PO officer. That's the correct term, right, Matthew? Uh, yes, that, yeah, the P- PAO, yeah. The PAO, yes. And I think I asked that this team I was working with the PAO, helping and supporting the team with the PAO. And he was very polite, very respectfully, you know, answered me. And he told me that with the current team, we don't have such a position, but he will look to see if he can help me to find that person. And we ended up to find out that Matthew is actually the point of contact for that position. And that gave me the honor of, you know, start working with him and I did screw that up. So initially Ahmad Shah was looking for the IO person, which in, in military speak is information operations person. Our team unfortunately had somebody got hurt in training. And so we didn't have somebody filling that spot. And so he had worked with the previous IO and I ended up helping out with some of those duties as well as a couple of other things. So that's how we kind of got together. But yeah, yeah, I really like that initial state where Ahmad was like, oh, you know, who do I need to talk to? Who's the PAO here? And you're like, oh, I'll help you. And then it turns out that you two were going to be paired together anyway. <laughs> yeah, I remember it a little bit differently. <laughs> I remember meeting him a couple of times and he came up to me and he was asking me questions. And quite honestly, I'd never been to Farah before. It's not someplace that I had. I couldn't have told you where Farah was on a map until I found out I was going there. So uh, showing up there and it's certainly not, you know, I think a lot of people get this idea that you show up in theater in Iraq or Afghanistan and some of our, you know, current conflicts, those, it's not like you're landing at D-Day, right? Like it's not get in a plane, you go there as a flight, it's a thing you, and it's just different, right? But when you get there and you're getting acclimated to your surroundings, Farah is very, very arid desert-y mountains and they do have some fertile land. They're known for having a lot of good, an agrarian type of a society, and the I think watermelons and jujubes and a few other different things. But he came up to me a couple of times. So interesting point. So when I joined the Navy, I was Matt. And then as soon as I put on my Cracker Jacks, 
I became Matthew for some reason. I don't know why that happened. When I met Ahmad Shah, I called him Syed by, by his last name. So now we're calling him Ahmad Shah, which is kind of interesting to me anyways. But when I first met him, he'd come up to me a couple of times on the fob and I was like, who is this kid? He's like 12 years old. I don't know who he is. He's talking to me. I don't really understand what he wants from me right now. And it's sort of terrifying. And I don't even really know where the bathroom is quite yet. So can somebody please help me out here? And so I'll never forget. I stopped and I finally like collected my thoughts and he was like standing right in front of me. We were right outside this one office by our USAID folks. And I looked at him, I said, wait a minute. I said, you're trying to help me, aren't you? <laughs> and he's like, yes, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> and that for me is kind of where it took off. I was like, oh, I got it. It's all coming together. All the things that you've said so far make sense. So that for me is kind of where things kind of switched. And we were thick as thieves, as they say, from that point on. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, when you came to Farah, you were a little disheveled at first, you know, not realizing I that Ahmad was... <laughs> you know, really there to help you. And so it's just kind of cool that once you made that connection, um, it sounds like you two were sort of inseparable since. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, two different individual, different thoughts at the same time, you know, uh, we shared it because I know how he felt because when I moved to the United States, I had the same feeling going somewhere new where everything is new, you know, mm -hmm. the way people are wearing clothes, you know, the, the way people are living. I mean, even even uh, the cities, the buildings, everything is different. And it took me a few days to, you know, get everything back together and realize that I can handle this. But, you know, when I moved here at the first place, Mati was in touch with me and he was trying to, you know, guide me through certain things, which was really good. And I really, you know, remember that it, that really helped me. But I didn't have anyone like present close to me so they can you know, share how everything is, you know, in any United States and where I just moved. Mm -hmm. So basically kind of like how when Matthew arrived to Farah, he wasn't really kind of given a, a tour until he met. I mean, of course, he met you to be able to sort of be given like the scope of the land. But when you came to America, you didn't necessarily receive the same thing. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, I did receive the same thing, but, you know, virtually. Mm -hmm. uh, to, yeah, it was Matthew sending me text or, you know, he was in touch with me through email. So, yeah, when I moved to the United States, you know, I was expecting it to be the same way as my country is. You know, when you go there, uh, especially if you are new and, you know, you go to the city, uh, you know, you can knock any door and, you know, enter a home as a guest. And then there will be people around to, you know, feed you, to help you and, you know, to, uh, you know, to guide you and uh, tell you about the city. Now, this depends, okay? I, I don't say that Matthew can do the same thing in my country. It depends. Especially if you have a, a U.S. flag on your shoulder, it depends. You should not try that. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that does not sound familiar, even as an American, to just, you know, knock on someone's door and say, hey, help me out. But that's fascinating. Yeah, but... That's a, that's uh, that, a great project. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't my overall expectations. Since I was a fan of Hollywood movies, I knew kind of what to expect. But still, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Matthew was always there answering my questions, you know, and also like touch racing with me on certain things, you know, helping me on 
how to kind of survive. And that really meant a lot. That happened when I moved to Massachusetts. I didn't know anyone down there. And I went to this city, which is called Worcester. I mean, they write it Worcester, but they pronounce it as Worcester. And uh, it took me like a day to get used to that. Like, why are you writing it down as a Worcester and then <laughs> pronouncing it as Worcester? It kind of, kind of sounded weird. But yeah, I didn't know anyone down there. And it was just Matthew helping me around. So yeah, that was my beginning of my adventures in the United States. That's awesome. Matthew, how does it you know, come across for you to hear that, like how you were able to be that person for Ahmad when he first came out here to the States? I think it's really kind of the least I could do. Um, so when I had left the ship that I was on, I was on USS George H.W. Bush at the time that I found out that I was going to Afghanistan and you know, showing up there and not really... So the best advice I got before I went to Afghanistan, because quite honestly, I was not exactly thrilled about the assignment that I'd been handed. And since this is a family friendly show, I'm not going to cuss a lot. You know, there was a former Marine from Vietnam who I told him, I said, hey, I'm pretty miffed about this whole thing. I don't really want to go. And he's like, look, that ship sailed like you signed a check right when you joined the service like you're going like that's the fact of the matter. But he said, look, when we were in Vietnam, we did very similar type of work that you're doing. And he said, if I can give you any advice, he's like, forget about, you know, what the geopolitics of this are. Forget about what your thoughts are on, like, take all that and push it off to the side. And the best thing you can do is to get to know another Afghan. If you Mm -hmm. can make a difference in one person's life, if you can get to know one person, like, that's a win. Like, do that to the very best of your ability. Just show up and be, you know, the best example of what it means to be you know, an American or a U.S. citizen that you possibly can be. And that'll be, you know, that's good. You're fine. Like that was kind of the way I handled it when I was in Vietnam and it worked out um, for him. And so that was kind of the way I tried to approach just about everything I did when I was in Afghanistan. And so for me, like there are times when you're over there and you're working with an interpreter, like I've got to tell Sai ahead of time, I want to go to a meeting. I want to go talk to so-and-so in town. Well, to do that, I have to really trust him because if he's going to go outside the wire and talk to them ahead of time to let him know that I'm coming, he needs to know who he can tell, mm. when he can tell him, all that sort of stuff. And I'm basically putting not just my life in his hands, but I'm also putting the lives of other people who are in that convoy with me in his hands as well. So, you know, the fact that, you know, it wasn't always super easy over there by any stretch of the imagination, but the fact that I came home with, you know, 10 fingers and 10 toes and all of us on the team did. I think the least I can do is pick up the phone and say, hey, this is, you know, I still don't know why they call it Worcester, but <laughs> the, the, we can help try and figure that out together and, and go and do things. So that's, it makes me happy and, and I guess proud to know that I can help him in some way because he did so much to help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's astounding to have that level of trust, you know, and the fact that you were able to come back, you know, fully abled and everything you and your unit is incredible. You know, Jenny Lynn, throughout our show, you often hint at, you know, this unique assignment that Matthew had was really difficult even for you as a spouse. And so I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, what has this been like for Matthew to go to Afghanistan and then also, you know, just kind of this uh, relationship that fostered or that came of this experience? Oh man. I mean, miffed, miffed is the family friendly word. I think we were both feeling about the initial assignment. I remember the day he told me he was going and it was like, 
the war, I can tell you where we were on the road, what was happening all around us. And I mean, the world kind of stopped because he was a sailor and sailors go on ships and, you know, kind of the running joke, not joke. After we found out he was going to Afghanistan was people were like, well, what ship is he going to be on? And we were like, Afghanistan is landlocked. (laughs) like He's not going to be on a boat, you know? And so trying to convey all that, that was for us to anyone was a lot. And so similarly, him trying to convey what it's like to have met Ahmad Shah and form this relationship that, you know, we've now been, gosh, you went to Afghanistan in 13. So like we've known each other almost a decade now, which is bizarre to say, you know, and to hear about this interpreter that I'd never met, but as Matthew just said, you know, had to put his trust and faith in like explicitly to get the job done. For me, there was fear associated with that because you hear a lot of bad things, especially, I mean, that's all the news reports. Very rarely do you hear like great interpreter, great mission. Yay. (laughs) Like you hear not such awesome news. And so you know, admittedly, there was a lot of fear for me, but as like it got closer to Ahmad Shah moving to the United States at the time, we were living in New England too. And so he wasn't very far away from us. And so for the first time, let's see, gosh, was what two? I don't know. We'd been up there for like two years, you know, to meet him was really very special. He came to our house in Connecticut and we took him into New York City and showed him like all those big American things that you see in the movies as he was talking about. Like we were like, this is it. Like this is, you know, and he met our boys and, you know, from then on, he's been Uncle Syed to our kids and he's, you know, taught us things about his culture that I would have never even been curious about, never having been to Afghanistan. And so For me, as Matthew's spouse, it has been wonderful to be able to see this relationship up close. For me, as my boy's mom, it's been super cool to have my kids have one more experience that is different from how I grew up to be, you know, learn a culture with someone up up close and to have our family. I mean, Syed has a family now. And so to be part of his family is just really special. I love it. Ahmad, I imagine you have some thoughts after that. So I just want to check in with you. Yes. For me, to be honest, it was also a great experience and a pleasure to meet Jenny Lynn and boys. What it gave me, to be honest, it filled the empty spots of my, you know, biological family members, which I left them back in country. Mm. And that feeling really helped me move on and, you know, where I am right now and whatever I have right now is because of this support that I received from Stroop's family. And that's something that it's just inside my heart and in my mind that it will never go away. Yeah. And, you know, I think kudos to you and the work that you did as an interpreter with Matthew, because you know, just that general fear of like, oh, could we trust him kind of thing? You know, that must be maybe a pride point for you to have helped everyone, you know, get out of the situation or get back alive. You know, I work with different teams and units back there, which I don't want to name. And some of them were not, you know, United States military forces, you know, NATO has many countries involved. What I experienced with U.S. military forces, and especially, I mean, U.S. Navy PAO officer, Matthew Truth, 
<laughs> you know, and and all missions that we were doing, interpreters are wearing the same color of uniform as the as the unit, as the rest of the unit. So if we are out there and someone is shooting a bullet toward us, mm-hmm. we never know if that bullet is going to hit the interpreter or the soldier. Mm, uh, wow. You know, uh, th- that is that is something that when, uh, the risks were mutual. You know, the, the risks were the same for both sides, interpreters, local interpreters, and also soldiers. But what was different for me and my experience with you as soldiers was that, you know, when Matthew helped me out to sign up for SID program, he gave me this understanding that now that I'm on the same side and if we are out there and something is happening, it's going to hurt both of us. And this is a, a, a help or support that I'm receiving from his side or his country's side. That's like a prize that I was like, okay, not every country is doing that for their interpreters. And today we can see that many of the countries are, you know, planning to withdraw from Afghanistan and there are like thousands of interpreters left behind and, and nobody is really doing anything about it. But we see United States, they try to like bring majority of interpreters to United States. And that's something that, I mean, I'm proud that I work with these units. And that's something that I will never regret, even though I know what it really cost me. It did cost me my freedom in my own country. It did cost me the pleasure of meeting my family members. And it is something that uh, cannot be replaced by anything. But, I mean, there are still interpreters back there who work with different other countries. But unfortunately, they never got the opportunity that I got. And they never received the support that I received from, you know, Matthew, uh, like in general, United States. And for that's like my side of experience. And every day when I am thinking about it, I know how valuable this gift is to have a friend like Matthew who held my hand and, you know, uh, brought this SIV forms on his laptop and asked me, like, sit down, let's apply. And that's something that, you know, is always there, you know. <laughs> that's the kind of help that every other country and every other, you know, NATO members or soldiers should, you know, do and help with their uh, interpreters. I feel kind of special of what happened and how I got here. I wish I wish every other interpreter had the same opportunity. Mm. Well, Matthew, that was a huge compliment to you. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. So let's turn it back to Syed for a minute. So, <laughs> uh, no, I think what's missing kind of from the story so far, though, is that, you know, when I met Amachal, like we had already been, so that was 2011 or 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had already been, the conflict in Afghanistan had already been going for a decade. So, you mm-hmm. know, at the ripe old age of what, you were 16, Amachal, when you started teaching, yeah. you know, started, yeah, wow. so he's a 16 year old kid, like, you know, teaching himself English, watching movies in order to mm-hmm. try to find. And I think, you know, at 16 years old, I've got a 12 and, a, and an almost 11 year old. And the thought that four years from now, Braden is going to start doing that sort of stuff is pretty wild in that context, not beyond the pale, but something I could see him doing. But, you know, it's been interesting to watch 
Ahmad Shah's kind of experience, you know, being a younger person and the adventure that comes with this and how exciting it is and, and all of the above. And then as you get even just a little bit older, you start to mature and go, oh, wow, that was really quite an experience. Like That, that was something, you know, that uh, you get to be a part of. But so about halfway through our time there, it started to get a little bit exciting in, in Farah. And one of the things, you know, Ahmad Shah, I don't know if he necessarily had this beforehand, but I know he started getting, you know, threats from the Taliban people in the area who had known who he was and mm-hmm. via text. And so we do what we needed to do to get those in the right information channels to to try and keep him safe. But that extends to his family and his loved ones and his friends. And yeah. I know, yeah. you know, as we were leaving, there was a guy that he was buddies with, Ajmal, who you know, they were working with, he got shot, not Syed, but the other guy, but he, Ahmad Shah was with him. And so, you know, there were everyday risks that came along with this. So I am in some way happy to hear him acknowledge the cost that is associated with it. Like it is not all sunshine and butterflies. And I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer on this, but like, you know, there is a very significant cost to it. And there are people who, you know, like any bureaucratic process, get lost in the shuffle or paperwork's tough or this or that or the other thing. And so I think my big lesson here goes back to the thing that I talked about before. And that, you know, we're all not to sound too like, you know, you know, everybody get along and be happy sort of a thing, but like, you know, it's another human being on the other side of this. And that's the important thing to remember that, you know, these are people. And so that has really shaped the way that I recognize that after I joined the Navy and joined a crew of a ship and you're all sailing together and you're going, Oh man, like this is like, I don't really care where you came from or what you did. Like, can you do your job? All right, great. Let's do it. And same thing in this situation, right? Like I don't, uh, whatever, like, let's just do this and take care of each other. Cause you know, I'd like to survive and move on. So I think that's where, you know, I maybe be good to hear from Amacha and kind of some of the, I know he can't talk about some of the specifics, but if you got any stories that you thought of that, you know, from our time together that you thought were particularly interesting or important to you, it might be interesting to hear this. Uh, I mean, this experience that I had once, you know, my father, he's a farmer and I'm really proud of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I always mention, I don't want to take this interview like far, far away from the main subject. But as I mentioned, my father is a farmer and I'm really proud of that. And the main reason is that right now, whoever works for government in Afghanistan, I mean, they are kind of corrupt. We don't have, you know, we can't really say that there are, you know, like very, very clean people in the government back there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid of mentioning that because, I mean, that's what it is. And that's the reality. Only a few people have the courage to mention it. I want to be one of them. So my father is a farmer and, you know, he has this beautiful pomegranate and, you know, pomegranate garden with a thousand and four hundred trees. It's huge. You can't really see the other side while you're, you know, on, on, on the other side. So we were trying to, you know, go there on a Friday morning, which is our weekend. And, you know, we, me and a few of my friends, you know, we were on the way, we were waiting somewhere in a gas station or close to a gas station. And that's when suddenly we noticed, you know, a motorcycle and another person behind him and start shooting at us. Mm. And we never really uh, could tell like who they were trying to target. 
because my friend was working for government and I was working for, you know, uh, U.S. military forces and as, as an interpreter. And they shot us, and then my friend got shot, actually. He got shot on both his arms, and also he got a bullet in his leg. It was a horrible experience, uh, which I wasn't used to. I don't want to say I was very tough, and, I, uh, you know, it was, it was something new for me to see a friend getting a bullet. It might have been because of me or any other reason. But that's the kind of thing that is still waiting there, out there for people who work for government, Afghanistan government, or, you know, U.S. military forces. We still see that Matthew is very good with following news. And sometimes he has, you know, more accurate news about Farah and, you know, overall in Afghanistan than me. And he knows that things like that is still happening. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to say that I was one of the luckiest to get out of there and kind of save my life. But how did I save it? I don't give the credit to myself. I give the credit to the person who helped me to do it, you mm-hmm. know, who gave me the push to, you know, get out. And Wow, what a powerful story. <laughs> I feel like I need to take like a minute there. Jenny Lynn, you've been listening very patiently. So I thought I'd get your thoughts if you have anything you want to share. Oh, I'm kind of like you. I need a minute. That's all. I mean, these stories are not new to me. And also, I haven't had the same conversations with the Shah that Matthew has. You know, most of my interaction with him has been very joyful occasions. We got to go to his wedding and, you know, he taught our boys about Eid And, you know, the things that we've done, we've had Afghan meals together. And traditionally, we invited Syed's family to a true American Thanksgiving one year, you know. And so all of the things I know about him and have experienced with him have been joyful. And so part of it is really hard to hear firsthand, even though I knew it was coming. Like, again, the story wasn't a surprise to me, but to hear him tell it. Um, yeah, need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Laughter is a, my nervous tick. So hopefully that lightens <laughs> the move for everyone, but nervousness in the good way of like, you know, these are very real stories. And to me, it kind of goes back to what you were mentioning, Matthew, that like in the military, it doesn't necessarily matter where you come from. You know, you can come from any different walks of life, but if you're on the same unit, the same team, it's like, we're going to do this together, you know, and just to kind of, just to hear how Amacha and your relationship have uh, flourished, you know, throughout these years and how you even sustained it. And even just those stories, Amacha, that you mentioned, you know, I appreciate this conversation because one thing that I think Jenny Lynn and I love doing on the show is humanizing the military life. You know, very often we talk to spouses, but to hear even just your relationship, it's new on our show, right? Jenny Lynn, like, I feel like we haven't really had this kind of dynamic on the show. So I feel like I'm trying to collect my words too, (laughs) trying to find my words to talk through this. But overall, I just have feelings of gratitude, you know, for you both for, you know, wanting to be on here today to share these stories. I'm curious if either of you, Amacha or Matthew, if there's any other stories that you want to share during the times that you were working together? You know, I think most of my favorite times were, you know, they, we had a building that was where the interpreters lived. And so I spent an awful lot of time over there hanging out with Ahmad Shah. He had his own little kind of room that had a, this wood sliding door and we talk about stuff. And so 
I think some of those times, the other part that was cool about our base is that we were housed with the, we had the Italians on the other side of the base. So they always had good coffee and pizza. And (laughs) I don't think the Italians go to war without Nutella, which is one of the most amazing things ever. So to all my Italian brigade folks that we worked with, I very much appreciate it. So I didn't fit in my pants when I came home. I came home for, for midterm leave or an R leave. But, you know, those times where we, you know, so the cool part, you know, one of the perks of having an interpreter that you got to work with is that he knew the area, right? So he could go out in town and get fresh on. He could go out and get food. He could go out and get stuff. And so mm-hmm. I think some of the best times that I had were when we would share those times together and we'd sit down and talk. And there was this like cement bunker out in front of where he lived and, you know, I took to smoking cigarettes again while I was on deployment and which wasn't, you know, Jenny Lynn was very supportive of that. That was, one <laughs> I, was, of gonna, I was like looking right at Jenny Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we'd sit there and, and, you know, chew the fat and I hope this doesn't embarrass him much, but I, I'll never forget. There was a story we we're sitting there talking and he was talking about going on a date with a girl, which is essentially, it was essentially what the, the story was. And he was going to go out and he's a handsome fellow. You can't see because we don't have the video here, but he's a handsome young guy. And so I'm sure he had all the girls in Farah wrapped around his finger. I'm I'm leaving now. (laughs) He's like, I'm out. But, you know, you hear a lot of stories. So he said, yeah, I'm going on a, I was going to go on a date. And so I've got some fresh naan and it was hot in the bag and I put it in the front of the car and he's trying to explain it to me. And like, you know, because it was chilly outside, the hot naan would kind of steam up the windows. And I was like, oh, I know where this is going. You know, like, I know the end of the story. Like, you're trying to get a little privacy, but you don't have any privacy. And, you know, <laughs> I get it. I understand what's happening. I'm like, he's just like any other American kid. Like, we all kind of want the same thing here. Like, yeah, you know, we're all, you know, human beings at the core of this. And so is those those kind of interactions or when what was that sugar stuff you bought for me that one time that I like bit like an apple? What was that, Masha? Oh, yeah, that sugar stuff. It's called gore and it's like pure sugar. So wow. they take it out of sugar cans directly and then they dry it. So I gave it to Matthew. It was like early in the morning and he, he, he grabbed it, looked at it. And I was about to explain what it is when I saw him, you know, <laughs> taking a huge bite out of it. And he was like, Ooh, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it came in a ball. Like it, it was like a dense, like size of a baseball. And I was like, Oh, like what? I didn't really understand, but it's raw. Like it's raw sugar. It's not been refined. It's not, you know, it's not pioneer brand, right? Like it's this, this is real stuff. And it was terrible, but, <laughs> but you know, Jenny Lynn's thing with our boys is they have to take a no thank you bite. So that was always my thing with when I was in Afghanistan was, you know, Take a no thank you bite, like just, you know, go along with it, try to learn things. There was something else, that yogurt type stuff that you guys drink, the guys would drink at lunch and I would never eat it. I would never try it. Remember that? Yes, that one. We call it duh and it's like yogurt, which you shake it in a dish uh, to the point where the butter comes out, out of it, you know? And then it leaves the watery yogurt with no moisture. It it, it looks tasty. <laughs> I encourage you to try it when you go to a, a Afghan or Persian restaurant. You will not regret. Don't worry. I don't know why Matthew never tried it. And Shaking I did my best to have him try it. And he, <laughs> he was every time he was like looking at it and he was like, 
okay, I will just skip on this. <laughs> yeah, that one I couldn't do. It was like kind of room temperature and it was like a milk product and it was, it was just, there were too many things happening. And after the sugar experience, I just couldn't do it. But th- those are the things, I mean, this is the type of stuff that I remember, right? This is the, the, the fun. Ju- the jujubes and the baklava, man. You were, yeah, you're, yeah, baklava, I'm all over it. Lamb, you want to talk about some good lamb? That's, I'm all over it. Candy, all, all for it. Cheap cigarettes, all for it. You know, <laughs> Italian Nutella, you know, but I will say, you know, in, in all of this, like, you know, we had a really good relationship on our team and that was in large part because of the leadership of our team. So we had a, a great CEO who was fantastic. And a lot of the people on our team, our relationship with the interpreters and the rest of the folks on the base were, were in large part because of kind of the, Hey, here's how we operate as a team. And this is kind of our values and our principles and the way that we operate. So you know, it wasn't just me. There were plenty of other folks on our team. There were a number of other interpreters who have since come over to the United States that came from relationships that there were that were developed through my fellow team members on the provincial reconstruction team. So, you know, this wasn't an isolated thing. Um, I guess is my point. Yeah, I think, I mean, really what I'm hearing from both of your stories is just that camaraderie, you know, knowing that you're more than just a military service member, you're human, you have families, you try new cuisine that you're unfamiliar with, you know, like you're human overall. And I appreciate you sharing, you know, those stories of like, Hey, we're just regular people. And I think this is an apple, but it's not. And (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) You know? And yeah, I'm just, I'm processing everything you both are sharing, but I just, again, I have a deep appreciation for this conversation just to learn about your um, individual experiences and the shared experiences that you have had together. I think that I want to add, uh, you know, it's something that uh, Matthew did in for all and it's still, to this day, it, it has a good and positive impact to the people of Faroe and also to the younger generation. I remember this day where, you know, Matthew was saying goodbye to go to a vacation. Mm-hmm. And it was like really short vacation for him going to see his uh, family after, you know, many months. So he went to New York and then he came back with multiple cameras, mm-hmm. like, I mean, video and photography cameras. And he brought these cameras to this community of young people who have an ambition, you know, for a future, Mm. but they don't have the resources. And what he did was something that, you know, when I go back to my fellow Farahi friends, Facebook pages, I still see those cameras that are being used by this young generation to create contents and reports from Farah. And that is something that I am sure that one day, once we have all this war and conflict solved, it will be recognized by the community of Farah, Farahis. Wow. Wow, Matthew. Well, yeah, that was that was the day that, that the U.S. government shut down for, for a little bit. Jenny Lynn and I went to uh, Washington, D.C. is where we got those cameras. It was the International Center for Journalists there. We went there and they had some gear and we were kind of trying to figure out because there are a million and one different regulations for how you can bring things in and what you can buy and what you can't buy and all this other stuff. And we really wanted to go to the White House. And we were having a date day and we went and got tea in the city. And I think that was the first time I'd ever had tea. And I had tea in Afghanistan. It was a different thing. Like English were, tea. Fancy yeah. tea. We didn't have like cucumber sandwiches in Farah. Like we had nuts and, and things <laughs> like that. 
but we went and picked that stuff up and I remember hauling it back and thinking like, Oh my God, I got to lug this shit all the way across the planet. Like <laughs> that's a long way to go with all this camera, but no, I mean, it was, it was something we could do. And I think that going back to like our leadership, you know, they were like, Hey, there isn't a money solution to everything. Like a lot of this is, we knew that there were young people that wanted to learn this stuff. And so, you know, as a credit to Ahmad Shah, like, I worked with the Defense Information School at, at Fort Meade, Maryland, and they sent us some basic photography training stuff. Mm. I downloaded that onto PowerPoint and shared that with him. He translated it into local language that people could receive. And so we went and co-taught class to local journalists on how to do that stuff. So it was wow. definitely a team effort. Well, um, and local female journalists yeah. too. I mean, that was a big, big thing you guys did. Like you, not only were you reaching the younger population, you were reaching the younger female population, which was kind of an unheard of thing to do. Yeah. Well, could and, I uh, not to forget, you know, what Matthew was doing in Farah wasn't just his uh, regular responsibilities as a U.S. Navy officer. He was also supporting Department of Women's Affairs director and also he was empowering women to join this uh, uh, flow and uh, start you know start showing themselves as uh, who they are he mm-hmm. provided this uh, training for young journalists in a men's class and also he did the same thing for girls in age of 18 20 I mean uh, younger or a little bit older but that was something that, uh, unfortunately, we uh, women in Farah, they didn't have this privilege to go to such classes mm. because there was no one, you know, willingly available to pass that information or to train them on that. So this is the second topic that I'm sure uh, one day Farah community members will recognize Matthew's troop for that. Uh, it's just such a love fest here right now. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say no. That happens without without a great interpreter. So I can <laughs> I can go out and have all the uh, PowerPoint presentations in English I want in the middle of uh, Faraz City, but, but that's <laughs> that's gonna go pretty poorly, as you pointed out earlier. So. I love it. You guys definitely have a high respect and compassion for each other, and and I I just love it. I feel like I'm just I'm just like basking in this right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, I just want to thank you both for just you know, sharing what your experiences were like in Farah and your work relationship and really how that's blossomed throughout the years. But let's talk about life today. So here we are, 2021. What does it look like for you, Ahmad Shah? I'll start with you. 2021, I'm someone who listens to Tupac and, <laughs> and nice. you know, other uh, American rappers very <laughs> proudly and I'm loving their songs. And the content, the positive ones. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, living here, you know, in, in California, I have visited, you know, some of United States major cities like San Francisco, New York, San Diego, Los Angeles. And what can be better than that to have the opportunity mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, be free, have a green card in hand and you can travel anywhere you want. If you are making sacrifices and you're getting the privileges by your supporters, then that is really worth it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I feel like you've traveled throughout America more than I did. And I've lived in America for basically all my life, minus Japan. No, that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I think you left out some key points of the story there in terms of uh, being a new dad, being married, doing great work on that front and 
you know, being humble about the fact that Ahmad Shah has a, you know, a great job. He's been promoted like mm. three times. He's trying to take baby leave or paternity leave so he can hang out with the baby. And, and they're saying, hey, can you come back and do some work? Because we, we need you to come back because you do really great at it. So I think it's it's awesome to watch other people learn and grow and succeed and kind of chase down the things that they want to. So I, I think Tupac just barely scratches the surface <laughs> of <laughs> Ahmad Shah's 2021. I have to say, um, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, California love, you know, I mean, it's, it's a great song. <laughs> yes. I think that's, it's a real testament. I had, I had a really, I had a senior Naval officer as I was getting ready to go to Afghanistan, who, who pulled me aside and his, his, uh, apparently his brother had had a, a, you know, everybody has different experiences, right? War is pretty damn miserable and pretty ugly and not everybody's experience. It turns out like this. That's not, not always normal. And not every experience that he and I had was, was great as he kind of alluded to, but you know, I had this person, I won't say exactly what he said, cause it's pretty crass, but he said, <laughs> you know, basically you shouldn't trust any of the Afghans that you meet in no uncertain terms. Like that is not, you know, based on his brother's experience, you know, watch your back, do all this other stuff. And that really was in stark contrast to the message I had gotten from, you know, that former Marine who had been in Vietnam doing similar types of work. Mm. Um, and so what's always, you know, I'm always, you know, on top of uh, just knowing and loving Syed personally, it's also, you know, I'm always rooting for him, right? Because I'm like, what a great example. You know, you come here, I got an opportunity. He recently uh, finished up taking his test to become an American citizen, which is like the coolest thing on the planet to me. And, you know, a number of his family members are doing the same. And so to me, like the fact that he's able to come here, do well, take advantage of the American experience and, and the, the rights and freedoms that come along with being an American citizen, uh, is pretty damn special to watch. So again, it's a little bigger than Tupac, but <laughs> nothing against Tupac, but a little bigger, a little bigger than just that. So. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it has been a huge transition, you know, from the time I moved to United States, uh, you know, marrying my beautiful wife, having my handsome son, and also uh, having this privilege to be called uncle by Matthew's sons. And, you know, everything, every day, even though it has been uh, like over six years, it's still, you know, every day is a new experience for me here in the United mm -hmm. States. A good experience. Because I, I told Matthew this uh, once, and I want to tell him one more time that for me, whatever experience I have in the United States, good or bad, he is the one who represents his country uh, to me. And same as he accepted me as a person who represents Afghanistan and the culture to him. Mm -hmm. And yes, I mean, it has been taking us to places and I think it's just the beginning of this friendship and this will continue for generations that I assure on my side. And there will be generation of Syed who will remember their uncle Matthew. And that's something huge in Afghan culture. Love it. Amatra, I'm curious to know, I'm curious as a child of immigrant parents myself, is there anything specifically, anything else you want to share about just your experience of, you know, immigrating here to America and making a life for yourself that you want our listeners to know about? Yes. Uh, on whatever stage you are, 
wherever you are, find a mentor like I did mm. and you will be good for life. Awesome. That's beautiful. Wow. Well, this was an amazing conversation, everyone. And uh, Jenny Lynn, once again, you were sitting there very patiently. So I thought I'd check in with you and see if you had any thoughts. You were like, I just, it was just funny just watching you trying not to laugh and everything. So <laughs> I know you have something to say. <laughs> oh, I mean, again, I know a lot of the backstory here. So I know the ins and out of their personalities and their stories. But I mean, I think I'm left with the overwhelming feeling that we often talk about here is community. You know, I think it speaks volumes that Ahmad Shah talked about mentorship and, you know, how Matthew has represented being an American to him. And likewise, mm-hmm. Ahmad Shah has represented being an Afghan for us and the bridging of those two cultures that their relationship has brought and enriched my life and, and my family's life. Um, you know, I'm just sitting here really, really grateful for community and the chance to share that community on the show, because I know this is often the softer side of American military conflict. And I think it's really important that our podcast community hears that, you know, for all, for all of the mental health talk and all of the hard and all of the gaps we talk about in this lifestyle, there are some really lovely things. Yeah. And this for me is one of them. Oh my gosh. I love it. Jenny Lynn. Thank you. Thank you for being the crier on our show. (laughs) You're welcome. And there you go. There you have it, everyone. It's not a show without Jenny Lynn tearing up. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm already like far removed and I'm like in heavy therapy. So I feel like I can talk objectively about my past nowadays, but I love it. And we talk about this often, you know, the fact that you're in the thick of it, Jenny Lynn, you and Matthew in this military life. And so it's just, again, I'm just so appreciative of what we continue to do on the show and share different perspectives and stories from our community. Okay. (laughs) I mean, first of all, Matthew, so great to have you on the show. You are a huge advocate for our show. I always see you retweeting our stuff and promoting our stuff and advocating for us. So I just want to thank you again so much for your support behind the scenes and helping Santa get Jenny Lynn. <laughs> oh thank you for that. Santa's um, a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. And so just thank you so much for your ongoing support for our show and for Jenny Lynn. And of course, Jenny Lynn, I have to thank you as always for just taking this leap of faith with me to do this show together. And I'm just super appreciative for how our relationship has blossomed. And very soon it could blossom more in person when you guys come over here. So I'm really excited. If you want to get a hold of Jenny Lynn and I, feel free to check out the show notes of this episode or visit our website, holding down the fortpodcast.com. So yeah, with that said, we're just going to wrap up. So thank you all so much. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. All right, there you have it, everyone. And before we get going, I'm excited to share this message that Ahmad Shah and Jenny Lynn had given me permission to share just an exciting announcement for Ahmad Shah and his family that he just shared on May 25th. This is last Tuesday at the time of this recording. Congrats, Ahmad Shah. And to our listeners, please enjoy this announcement. Hello, Matthew. Mark this day, brother. Mark this day. Just added two pictures to that Anaheim visit album. It was a fantastic day. I did receive my 
U.S. citizenship certificate today and by all means, I'm an American now. <laughs>